was quite a traumatic time, but they told me on the 14th of March, 1994, I was getting ready to go to work and I heard a voice say to me, you're not going to work today. It's gonna turn to crap. There's a setup. You'll probably win the fight, but you'll lose the war, meaning you'll be out in your backside. And they told me to go and stay at a friend's place down in the city. And they said, and this was the most important thing, this was the pivotal moment. Listen to your heart. We will talk to you through your heart. Hello and welcome to the show, Rob. How are oh, you today? You. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be on. Thank you for inviting me have a little bit of a coffee and a chat so this is um, uh, my first interview and I'm so excited to have you on the show because we have become really good friends and I just wanted to to share and maybe you could share with the listeners first of all um, who you are where you're from a little bit just very briefly and then we get on with things like a little bit where we met and all that yeah, well, I'm Rob. I'm 60 years old. I come from southeastern Australia, Victoria. I grew up very close to the ocean and the mountains and the rivers and the streams, and it was a, a pretty nice area down there. Um, I was a pretty active kid. I liked my sports and my music, and I loved the Beatles, and I loved my superhero eighth man and used to run home from school to watch my favourite pro program after school show, I should say. And um, entering my teens, I decided that I wanted to be a policeman because I wanted to help people. And being a country boy, I had a fairly simplistic view of it all, helping old ladies across the, the road <laughs> and, and protecting the, bad, the good guys from the bad guys and all that sort of thing. So I joined the police force when I was 16 as a cadet in 1977. And I had two years in training and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and I, I sort of, that was my my big uh, goal in life to help people and I thought that I was here to help people that's uh, that's where that all started so yeah so we get into that a little bit later as well like the pivotal point in your life when you kind of it, your life changed a little bit uh, and put you on the the more another path but I uh, just want to say like me and Rob we met through Misha Johnson and you have known her for quite a while and I just wanted to uh, do a big shout out to her because she's helped me in my ascension walk as well so she's got a, um, a, sh a show on KCO radio, radio called the Starseed Awakening yeah? and yeah and she's got a website as well but she's such a beautiful soul and she helps other people uh, to find their own kind of like path <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, so just, yeah, just uh, maybe you can share a little bit how we met up there. Well, um, how you and I met. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Misha about 10 years ago and we've been, you know, very, very good friends. Um, she's like a she's like a, a star mum to me. She really is. She's such a darling. Um, and she helps so many people. I mean, I, I couldn't recommend her more highly you know she's just she's just such a good person and um she really knows really knows her stuff and um uh how you and i met was i met you in a dream 
and I met you in a dream towards the end of November last year and you and I were talking. Um, I was sitting and you were standing and you were actually leaning against either a wall or a rock somewhere. And I and we had known each other for ever, basically, or for, for yonks, eons, way, way past time. And um, and we had loved and we had been together and we, we respected each other and we loved each other and knew he, each other very well. And um, <clears throat> because it occurred to me that I hadn't seen you for so long, I said, where, where are you now? And you said, I came down from Queensland to see you. And I thought, wow, well, that's, that's very nice. Thanks very much. Now, at the time, um, and there was just this this real love, this real, I'm not talking about sort of human, you know, I'm in love with you type of, it was just this absolute um, total trust love and um, and that we knew, we knew each other. So anyway, that's fine. And, and I'm um, sort of trying to, I woke up that later that day, trying to work out who who this was. And I have a, I have a, I do have a friend who used to live down here, who's now up in Queensland, and, and and this this woman looked similar to her, but I thought, no, it's a different, it's a different energy, it's a different frequency. And then I thought of someone else, and I thought, no, it's definitely not her. And I mentioned this to Emily, my wife. I said, look, you know, um, I saw this person in this this lady in my dream last night, and I said, I, I know her from somewhere, and if I can't work out. Or remember where I know it from. It's has to be has to be upstairs. Has to be somewhere bigger than this. You know, um, not up but it in was the meant, addict. It was, yeah, it was meant to see it definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway, a couple of weeks went by, and um, I I hadn't been to Misha's group for for, for a few months. Actually, I I kind of gotten off Facebook. The guide said, get off Facebook, just clear everything, and just ground yourself and center yourself and listen and listen to the universe. So. That's what I did, and you know, whenever we change, people resist. So I think I probably upset a few people who thought I didn't love them anymore. It's nothing to do with that. It was for me to clear my energy and to ground myself and center myself. So, um, so I needed to contact Misha um, one day recently, and I so I I had to start a Facebook page just to to do that, and um, I started going to the group group again because I'd had a, a bit of a break for a few months and Misha was saying, where are you? We miss you, blah, blah, blah. That's really good. And so anyway, <clears throat> part of the reason why I hadn't been was because it's you have to get up so early in the morning. And anyway, so I started to make the effort to come back to the group. And so this group, um, this is probably mid-December uh, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I log into the group and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there looking and, and I saw... I saw this name and I, I just felt this strong urge to tell this person and that I didn't see the lady's face. I just saw her name like the camera was off and I, <clears throat> excuse me, something compelled me to say, you've got a really good energy. You've just got a really good energy. And because the name was Swedish, I thought this lady was in Sweden. So I, I'm, and, and, and she came back and said, oh, thanks very much. That's nice. I said, well, where are you? She said, oh, I'm in the sunny coast. And I thought, because you know Misha, that you were in California or somewhere. So I'm not putting two and two together. I'm just rolling along, rolling along. And that's okay. I just had no idea, no idea. I wasn't thinking anything like this has got something to do with that dream. Had no idea. Wasn't even thinking that way. So anyway, um, 
the next day or so so later there was another group and you're on there again and I and and then I think you you came on to speak and I, I thought gee you look familiar I said where are you, where are you from sunny coast and I thought oh sunshine coast that's in Australia and I thought oh okay so you're not that far away and they said hi how are you you know that's good still didn't put two and two together still did not put two and two together that night, I'm driving up the up the mountain to the lake for a swim, and I said to Emily, I said, um, uh, it was something to do with, um, oh, that's right, I met this, I met this, oh, that's right, I met this, I've met this lady in a group, and she's a really nice girl, and and she's a real, real sweetie, she's a real darling, and she, oh, she's she's got a really, really good en- energy, and I said, and when she came, I thought, God, I know you from somewhere. But I still wasn't putting two together, two and two together. And I was described you and said I thought you were in Sweden, and then I thought you were in LA, and then I thought you were, and then I realised that you were. And I didn't pick sunny coast. I didn't think sunshine coast. I didn't recognise it. So I, I'm dummy me. I wasn't thinking putting two and two together. Um, and anyway, so and I'm describing this, and I said, look, I, 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 I this lady, I said, I know her from somewhere. I know her from somewhere. When she clicked on and she gave her talk in the group, when it was her turn to share, I said, she just bloody looks familiar. And I said, I, I just, I, I know her from somewhere. And I said, if I can't work out where I know her from, it's got to be from upstairs or something, you know, like on a craft or something out there in the greater reality. And she's, and Emily said, oh, where's she from? She, I said, oh, she's from Queensland. She goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm still rattling on because I'm still full of this energy. And I'm saying, oh, I know her from somewhere. I know her, I know her, I know her, you know. Anyway, I said, shut up and I said, what do you mean? How do, how do you mean it makes sense to my wife, Emily? She, I said, how, how do you, what, what, what makes sense? What do you make of it? She said, remember the dream you had two weeks ago? And I nearly fell off fell out of the car. I could not believe it. And suddenly I realised that that was you. And I went, and I said, oh, that's her, that's her, that's her, that's the lady. So that is how we met. It's definitely, 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 definitely you. Definitely you. Same energy, same, same vibration, wonderful, beautiful. And yeah, so it was just one of those really, really great things that occur. Another one to put in the book of you know, great things that happen. It's so, I think it's so cool when you start to really walk on your, your path and uh, you really look up and actually see what's happening. Because, yeah, when I was in that group, as I was like, I know him, you know, and then I've I come to understand that, you know, I've, I've done some channeling sessions as well. And we talked about that. I can share that with uh, <laughs> um, another time. But, you know, that we actually been on crafts and work together there. And uh, that uh, it is so weird. But, you know, it's uh, it's another dimension, you know, like because I also feel like I know you, you know. You know, and that that I think it's very important, like anyone that's listening, like, you know, if you can think about have you ever maybe – uh, met someone and they're like, oh my god, this person is familiar. Maybe you know another dimension or something like that. And you know, it's a part of your star seed family. You know, like because we always encounter there and we always um, bump into deja vu's and and uh, like, oh my god, I, I, I experienced this before. And I think it is such a gift to have, and but also to acknowledge that. And yeah, so so that I'm very. 
I'm very happy and very grateful to call you my friend, you know, like we've been chatting a lot and, and, and it's helped me in my ascension process as well. Uh, and it's someone I can chat to about all these weird things <laughs> that uh, I can't chat to other people because they would just look at you. They go like, okay, you are so weird, you know. So, yeah. So well, it's also sharing. one of those uh validating experiences but it's yeah. also something that shows you that there is no that the greater reality that this narrow paradigm that normal people live in that reality is so much greater than that i mean there's absolutely no way that this lady this this woman you i i had i was trying to work out who it was i thought i and the energy was exactly the same. I mean, as soon as I've only seen you stand up once, you had to go and get something. You stood up from the camera and you walked on. I said, that is it. that's because I hadn't seen you below the shoulders and I didn't know what your build was like, but I absolutely knew that this lady in this dream, but I already knew it was you, but as soon as you stood up, that was more proof. I thought, yep, exactly, exactly the same physique as this lady. Cool, and, it, and it's um, pro- and it, to me, it's just proof that that it, it's like, things like that are a gift because it's proof that that there is more, you know, that, that whoever they are, they are communicating with us, and they are, and and hopefully they are bringing uh, a lot of us type uh, us people that are, have been awakened. They're bringing us together, you know. I they're, think they're so helping too. us meet each other. There's a big shift going on, and it's it, it's kind of becoming a little bit more mainstream. Not mainstream, but you know, almost mainstream. A lot of people, sometimes that are like some people that I talk to, they do believe there's something else. And you know, it's it's. Uh, we talked the other day, for example, uh, I share with you like uh, I have a friend uh, who who does a lot of readings for people that passed over, but she's very connected to the galactic family. And that is something that uh, is not that very talked about. Uh, like on, on TV, it's more like the medium or like, you know, on the other side. And, yes. you know, they do readings and all that. And, and that, yeah. yeah, and that is for me, like that is cool. But there's also another dimension. There's many different dim- dimensions that we need to connect with because of uh, like for the purpose we are here. But Rob, I want to talk to you about a little bit like, you know, you, you went through a little bit about that, you know, you, you worked as a policeman. Can you just um, maybe share, like you don't have to share too much about the, the past, but a little bit uh, kind of the pivotal moment for you when you kind of realized or like when you kind of awoke like the last time, like, you know, like yeah, when you and, either. And I think yeah. that like I, I was fortunate enough to have a short talk with you yesterday about this because I haven't done a podcast before really only once once in 2015 with a lovely lady over in California okay. Charlene what's um, her show called um I can't remember what it was called but okay. she I met her through Misha I think yeah, and yeah. um lovely lady and that's the only other time I've done we just had a, a basic general talk about yeah. experiences and stuff like that um but because the beginning for me is so long ago now. Um, it seems like almost. Uh, it seems so far away, and with with what's going on on the planet now, it, some of it seems not mundane, but it seems like people have, have been put in a state of of uh, our attention has been 
totally taken by this so-called pandemic, pandemic, what that's going on, and and so I think people have shifted their focus, and people are a, a bit scared, and people are sort of like, you know, so. I'm not rolling along and thinking, oh, gee, that was wonderful and this, because it's kind of our mind is in a different in different place. However, that does not take away the reality of those things. And um, But when you asked me to come on your show um, and I thought, well, that, that's, that's beautiful, thanks, I'll be honoured to come on, of course, your mind is taken back to, back through through the chronology of it. And I felt very heavy about, the it's almost like a birthing process you know like i'm not a woman but uh, but it's almost like the transition from the old to the new because you know if we're all we are all brought up to believe certain things and to um respect certain things and to believe a certain way and have a certain direction and a basic average certain direction we're all to be part of society you have to sort of tow a certain line and I grew up, um, you know, believing things that I may not necessarily see the same way as I do now, but my aim was to help people and I tried to do it the conventional way. And the further I progressed in that time in my police career, the harder things got. I mean, the better I got it and the more handy and more capable and more uh, able I became as a, a police officer in the community, um, something else started to come in with it and there seemed to be a growing pressure as as I went along and I started to take notice of that and human beings resist change. We resist change and our belief systems are extremely strong and so what actually started happening with me was when I got into my late 20s and early 30s after having been in the job since I was 16, um, I started to uh, I started I started to hear a different voice. I started to I started to question things, and I started to and I think this is this isn't unusual. I mean, most people come to that crossroads in their life where they question things, and where they go from that, everyone's different. But for me, I started to I started to wonder who am I working for really? Why can't I do? what I was trained to do. Why Why am I getting in trouble for doing the right thing? So I started to become the doer and the watcher, and that's an extremely stressful state to be in. But as I said, yesterday we, we canvassed that a little bit, and it was a very, very, um, it was quite a traumatic time, but they told me on the 14th of March 1994, I was getting ready to go to work, and I heard a voice say to me, you're not going to work today? It's going to turn to crap. There's a setup. You'll probably win the fight, but you'll lose the war, meaning you'll be out in your backside. And they told me to go and stay at a friend's place that, down in the city. And they said, and this was the most important thing, this was the pivotal moment. Listen to your heart. We will talk to you through your heart. And if you do what you're supposed to do in five years' time, you'll be able to look yourself in the eye. And that was the day my life changed because what they were asking me to do was to trust, 
to trust the unseen, to develop discernment, and uh, that was the last day of my police career. And um, I didn't know it then, and we all resist change. But leading up to that, the two or three years leading up to that, I noticed that I was starting to um, get into uh, conflict with people. I was starting to to see things differently. So this transition from the old to the new was a very it wasn't wasn't an immediate process. But I'm so glad that I listened to what I listened to. I made a lot of mistakes. I hurt a lot of people. Um, they hurt themselves a lot too. But you know, and you know, I came here to help people. And I think I'm better off doing what I'm doing, having a dedication to reality, as I've come to understand it to be. That's 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 the path I'm travelling. And I'm, if I had not listened to that voice that day, I probably wouldn't be here. The other thing too is I was reading a book uh, some years later, and it and it actually said this particular book. I mean, it's only one person's opinion or one person's deliberately delivery, but they said on the 14th of March, 1994, Archangel Michael returned to Earth to oversee the transition to the age of Aquarius, words to that effect. I never forgot that. I read that in a book somewhere. Wow. But, so I don't know I don't know who it was talking to me, but I did not I would not have formulated those words. I would I wouldn't I don't know whether it was my higher self or whether it was an angel or whether it was my personal God got guide well, the, these are Freudian slip, was probably God delivering the message to me through mm. someone out in the unseen, in the higher realms, and I'm so glad I listened. Wow, that that is, uh, yeah, quite a pivotal moment, isn't it? Like, and, and, and it seems like sometimes that we have to, not have to, but it seems like it's very common that most people that become awake and really step into the path. They have something traumatic happening. Uh, it can be a divorce. It can be yeah. um, they hurt themselves and they can't walk, or right. you know, or work, or and uh, sometimes we might need that. And after a while, we might see that as a gratitude in life instead. And I think when we come to that point and forgive ourselves for not knowing. Uh, that we were doing, <laughs> like you know, like just zigzagging around. We we uh, we are ready to heal and move forward and actually appreciate what's in front of us. And yeah, but I was going to ask you, Rob. Um, uh, so we talked about uh, the other day a little bit uh, uh, about your first experience, more like kind of spiritual, whatever. I don't know what we're going to call this, like because we talk about the galactic beings, our seeds, ET experience, like anything. That, and I want to kind of concentrate on that. Sometimes yeah. people well, do encounter ghosts that, and stuff. Um, I kind of had, I started to walk in two worlds. I was having the yeah. the, 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 the the legal medical pro, pro process of am I going back to work or am I not going back to work, you know, because I ended up being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, there was a big leap. There's a big machine, you know, and they make a lot of money out of, you know, steering your life. But on the other side of things, uh, I, I had a lot of time on my hands suddenly 
Um, and I had time to look up and I had time to listen and I had time to, you know, I had time to do a lot of things. <laughs> I drank a lot of beer, but um, but I was still training. I was still riding my bike and I was still swimming and, you know, going down and doing a few rounds on the bag and so on and so forth and going to the football. But um, it was a very, it was a, it was a very challenging time, I can tell you. But sort of as the 90s progressed and came towards the later 90s, I started having experiences that I knew I was having, but I didn't, I couldn't really share them with anybody. I didn't, I thought, well, no one understands Rob's not, how come, you know, you were this wonderful policeman, everyone trusted you, and well, how come you're not a policeman anymore? People couldn't cope with that. But by the same token, they didn't understand PTSD. I'd never heard of it before I was diagnosed with it. And in a way, I'm, I'm grateful to the universe for providing me with that platform to transition out of the job and, and retire because, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that I have PTSD, but I don't think having PTSD makes you a lunatic, you know, so necessarily. So, but on the other side, on the other side of things, I, um, I had, a, I, I started to, I, I, I was listening, I was listening, I was listening to my inner voice and, um, you know, I was, I, I was starting to get some prescience, you know, I was having dreams and, um, so on and so forth. But the first, the, to answer your question, I know the one you're talking about. I was asleep one night, and it was just me. I was a bachelor. I was like, a, I was 37 years old, I think it was. And I'm, I'm asleep in bed, and Ben, my curly retriever dog's beside the bed over near the wall on his woolly jumper, and and all of a sudden, and I won't do this because I'll knock the computer off the thing over. But I, <laughs> I heard this. I, I I heard this. So I'm lying in bed. And this is as clear as we are speaking now. I heard, wake up, Rob, wake up. And it was a little girl's voice and it was about head height. And I just swung around and turned the light on and said, can I help you? Like you know, the nice policeman <laughs> helping the kid, you know. And I, I love that. And, and there was nothing there. And I, I thought, what? I mean, I heard her as clear as day. I can still hear it. It was as clear as a bell. Wake up, Rob, wake up. It was a little girl, and I. She sounded like um, probably uh, wake up, Rob. Probably six or seven years old. Six, yeah. Wake up, Rob. Wake up. Now that was. Did I you know see anything, thing, or did you see? It, was, it really happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, did you see, or did you feel anything like any energies at all? Or I could, I could, I could hear her voice so clearly. It was right next to my head. Wake up, Rob. Wake up. You know. Yeah, I can feel her energy. You know, so awesome. it may have, may have been a little girl who'd passed away or something like that, but they're the kind of things that started to happen. I will tell you one thing, that prior to 9-11, I started having dreams of, um, and this happened a number of times, that I was I was in a passenger jet and I thought we were flying through Melbourne between buildings out towards Port Phillip Bay. And I had this dream a number of times and I remember thinking, God, I hope the bloody wings don't clip the buildings, you know. And 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 I came home one uh, one morning, I switched the television on one morning, and here's these towers that are on fire of smoke coming out of them and planes that hit them and I thought, oh my God. Now I had that dream uh, a handful of times leading up to that. And I'm I'm not saying that I'm categorically categorically know that that's what the connection was. But I haven't had that. I didn't have that dream since, and I was so shocked. I rang my sister and I said, "Jewel, I said, have you been dreaming about flying in planes through cities?" 
And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, turn the television on. I said, I, I, said, I, I had dreams about this. You know, of course, she thought I was a lunatic, but that's what happened. That's that they're the kind of you know, uh, uh, it's very, very common. You hear people talk about, oh, I dreamt about such and such, and I hadn't seen them for 20 years, and all of a sudden, I drive out the driveway, and here they are walking down the street. Um, there is one incident, I'll let you talk, but there is there is one incident that was very early on. This is another one, this is a real big one. So I'll, I'll let you, I'll pass it over. To no, you. I don't need to talk. I'm, I'm here for you. Okay. Well, <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, just before, just before I um, retired, I, I, I met a young lady and she was an English girl and she had a young, young four-year-old daughter and she lived up the road from me and we, we, we started seeing each other and it was all good. And I'd only been seeing her probably about a month or six weeks and we were heading this Sunday or this Saturday afternoon, we were heading up up into the hills to go up to a country pub for lunch. And that morning I was getting ready to go and I was vacuuming the floor and I kept on seeing this jolly fellow with a big nose and a cardigan slapping me on the back and saying, look after a son, she'll never let you down. And I kept on seeing this man and I had seen him on her bureau, on her drawer in her bedroom. And and <clears throat> and so and I keep on seeing this really clear uppercase letters, Eric, Eric, you know, slap me on the back. Look after a son, she'll never let you down. And I'm thinking, you know, that's that and it was so clear, you know, and I thought, God, you know, what's this? So anyway. I and I went went to pick up my girlfriend and her daughter and we were driving out the street and I said, what was your father's name? And she said, Roger. And I just thought, that's that's weird. And then she said, well, no one ever know, no one knew this, but his real name was Eric. And I nearly drove into the ditch. I couldn't believe it. I said, <laughs> have you told me his name before? She said, no, because I, I knew she'd said that's dad. I knew he was dad, you know. And I said, have you told me that before? And she said, no. And she said, and if he hated his name. She said, if I had, if I ever told you his name, it would have been Roger. And I said, I, I said, he, and I just, he was talking to me before. And she said, oh, that doesn't surprise me. She said, I feel his presence quite often. Anyway, so we're driving out. We're, and I was really stunned. I thought, and I saw it so clearly. And anyway, and I knew that she hadn't told me his name. I just, but I was just being due diligence. Due diligence and asked her. Anyway, about an hour and a half, or oh, about an hour later, we're out way up in the hills, and she said, "What's the date today?" And I think it was like the twentieth of August or something like that. And she says, "Oh, this—that's the day I married um, George." She said, "This is my wedding anniversary." She said, and "She said that's just what he would have said to George." You know, isn't that amazing? Wow! And that was one of so my cool. first experiences, and that was probably not in. 97 but oh. you know I was yeah my first my first sighting actual so actually my first sighting was two or three months after I had a, a, a really yeah tell us about that was the vision that the with, one when with, yeah 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 please yeah. tell us about that this, is that this when vision, you were up in the craft sorry or was that when you were up no, in this a, I saw my first craft Christmas 1998 right cool. yeah craft, tell us about that's that, what you no. want to call it but that yeah. there's a story to that too. So 
I'd had these little incidents and I'd seen people in my room, like there was a guy standing beside my bed one night and I saw him and I turned on the light and he wasn't there and then there was another one where I saw a, uh, like a 17th century soldier walking through my room without a hat. He just had a, he just marched through my room and I saw him as clear as a bell. This is the thing I don't understand. You see things in the dark, but you see them. You see them, you know, like it, you, I don't know how you see them, but you see them. Clear as a bell. But anyway, that this we had been going in in sort of later 1998. I'd been attending um, like a group, self help group. It was called it was called ACOA. Actually, it was Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. But it was basically a group of adults that had sort of hit the crossroads, and we sort of were sort of talking about our experiences. And we used to have this. Um, these meetings down in the presbytery of the church in in a town on the lake down here, uh, down near my home and um, town. And so anyway, we used to meet on on Thursday mornings, I think it was Wednesdays or Thursday Thursday mornings, I think it was at um, ten a.m. So we'd have ten a.m. till twelve, and we'd sit down there and we'd we'd talk, and share our stories, and support each other. Blah blah blah. Across the road, there was a lady who was running a, a reiki school. So we we decided to become volunteers, and we piled over there one morning, and we were all laying on the tables. And I actually saw saw um, a chap standing near the door, uh, which I didn't make a big deal of. I saw him, you know, in my mind's eye, I could see him, and I described him to one of the people, and she said, "Oh, that's such and such." So that the lady who ran the ran the show, but anyway, there was a friend of mine and her friend, and we decided to go down to our friend's place in the town, in that small town on the lake. And, and do so-called healings, right, because she had the t- this table and blah, 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 and we used gems and stones and stuff like that. Anyway, it was my turn. And so I lay on the table and I, and I just almost immediately just drifted off. I drifted off and then I'm coming down. I'm coming down and I can see this big rock rock wall and it kind of reminded me of the uh, Skippy episode with Tara, the Aboriginal guy who lived over the back in the in the in the he was sort of like he lived away from mainstream and and young Sonny and the and the kangaroo sort of befriended him and blah blah blah. It kind of reminded me of that scene. But anyway, and then it sort of was misty and then all of a sudden I'm I feel that I'm standing on a gravel area and I could hear noise. It was like a bazaar and and I couldn't really see it. And then all of a sudden, in from my left walks this man and he's wearing a turban and a crimson speckled um gown like robe thing and he looked familiar to me and at the time he had a sort of short beard and and he looked like he was sort of in his 40s or something like that but he looked really familiar to me Uh, a little bit like when I met you I said geez I know you you know but it was like that and he felt familiar to me and uh and at the time I kind of thought I was thinking of Mark Spitz the Olympic swimmer I don't know why I thought of that but this guy had he had dark skin you know, it was all this bronzy, chocolatey skin. And in from the right walked this smaller, shorter guy with a plain, very purely clean white robe and a turban, very dark skin, quite dark skin. And it, this was all telepathic. And he he led us over the little hole. I called him the holy man. He led us over to the edge of the water and he waved his arm across the water towards the sun and he said, um, 
people have lost their way. And when he pointed towards, he was pointing to the world. He said, "This is how I felt it." He was he was pointing to the what well, this is the world. The people have lost their way, and they uh, and it's people have lost their way. It's kind of like they don't believe in God or that they've lost their way. And it's our job to bring them back in the right direction, bring people back to God. And he said, you're one of us. And he said, it's very early days. We're teaching you. He said, but he said, we're going to, we're going to succeed. We're going to win. You know, it's not like a competition, but we're going to win. We're going to succeed. He said, you're one of us, but it's early days and we're teaching you. And, just keep listening to your heart. Keep, we'll keep teaching you. And when the time comes, we will call you. Now that was in the first week of August in 1998. Then we came back and this big rock wall, I could see this big dark opening and there were a few ladies, three or four ladies sitting there spinning, spinning yarn of some type. And I remember standing at this, this entrance and thinking, do I have to go in there? And I heard a voice saying, look, I said, do I have to commit to something? Do I have to commit to this? You know, and I heard a voice say, no, you don't have to commit, you don't have to go in there now, right, but it's safe. That's what it it was basically, you don't have to go in there, you don't have to commit to anything, but it's safe, you'll be safe. Meaning, so if if I had gone in there, it would have been fine. And then, then I started to become aware that I was in my body and I started to see this ticker tape going from left to right, from, sorry, from right to left across in front of me with all these letters joined together and I was picking names out of them. I could see names like Ali and Charya and Rambi and Ramana and things like that. And and I and I started saying this this word, Ramana, 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 you know, and I, I didn't know what it was, but I just started saying it. And then I sort of came back to my body and I sort of woke up and I kind of felt a bit embarrassed. You know, <laughs> and I said, Oh, okay, I'm back, you know. Anyway, I was so impressed by that experience that I told my sister about it about three days later. I was out at the farm and I said to Jewel, I said, you know, I had this experience and I had one of the guys that was in our in our support group with us and he was explaining Reiki to, to Julie, my sister. And so I was just doodling on an A4 page. It was just, you know, I was just doodling on, on the page, you know, and I started writing these words, these names down. And then suddenly I started saying, you know how the, the kids have those cellophane things at school where you write with a blunt and you pull it up and you start again? It was kind of like that and I could see lines in it. So I just started filling the lines in and then it started to appear and I realised, oh, I'm drawing Ramana, you know, I'm drawing this drawing this man. And then I saw something behind him and I and I filled that in too and it was an elephant. So, and I was trying to make sense of these other words. So... I definitely got the word charia as charia, but I changed, I put the Y in front of the char, in front of the R because I kind of was trying to make sense of it in Western, because I'd never seen these words before. I didn't know what they were. I've since looked them up in the way I got them in the, in the vision and they mean things, you know. The name of the elephant was charia and that means, I think it means life, you know. So it's, it's, anyway, so, so that was that. And, um, so I've drawn this drawing and I took it home with me and I ended up later, I ended up framing it and putting it up on the wall, you know, because I thought, well, I don't draw. And I drew this with a biro and I thought, that's not bad, you know. I even wondered, am I drawing myself? But I, mean, I was, I didn't know what I was drawing. But anyway, I come to understand and I've shown some Indian people this drawing and, and they say that's definitely the 
how things would have looked because that experience, I felt like it was around 1928 when I was at the bazaar, when I met Ramanar and the holy guy. I felt that it was about 1928 and I didn't know where it was and it had been a long time since I'd been at school. I hadn't seen any maps, but I had a, a feeling of, of where of I, I could see. So I drew this little map and I can still draw it. I can still draw it now and I drew a coastline and I put a dot where it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a couple of nights later. I'm sitting at home having a beer and and and, and just sort of pondering this and this just came to me and I saw this mountain. I saw this low mountain and I also, and I now realise, I now realise, and I'll say this later, I saw a, a, a young lady walking up the side of this mountain in a pale blue dress and I know who it was because... I know who it was now, and I never really thought of this before, and I never really mentioned it to anyone, but I'm telling you the truth. So about 18, uh, no, about 20 months after this, so we're talking from August 98 to April 2000, an old school teacher friend of mine had returned to Bensdale and my hometown, and she was started coming to this group, and we started walking up a local Mount Taylor that we used to call they used to, well, I used to call Mary, Mary the Mountain. I used to ask permission to go in and all that sort of stuff, do the right thing. And I'd be, I'd become very, um, I'd started, used to walk up there to meditate, basically. We went up there for football training one summer back in 88 and I really took to the place, so I kept on going up there as a regular thing. And um, so anyway, um, Vanessa and I, we were walking up the mountain, blah, 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 and she said, oh, I'll come around for coffee one day. Yeah, no worries. So she walks in. She walks in and she sees this this picture on the wall, and she says, "Oh, who's that?" And I said, "Oh, that I think he's a guide. I think he's a guide." And she said, "Oh, do you, does he have a name?" And I said, "Yep." And she said, "What is it?" And I said, "Ramana." And she says, "Oh, how'd you know about him?" I said, "I had a I had a vision a couple of years ago with Maisie and Heather over at Painesville, and I said." Oh, we were on a reiki. I was on a reiki table. I sort of went out and I had all this. I got all this information. I saw this person and and I said, I said, and I drew a map and I saw a mountain. And actually, now I realise it was Vanessa walking up the side of the hill because that she was the one who actually topped the She said, she's looking at me. She's going, she's going. How did you know about him? I said, well, I saw him in a vision. I said it was you know back in the about nineteen twenties or something like that. And she's looking at me. I said, what? And she says, do you realise he's a real person? I said, no, nah, never heard of him. She said, he was a he was an Indian healer. And I said, well, I've drawn a map. I said, and I brought out the map on the paper, you know, blah, blah. She said, come around home, we'll have a look at the map. And I hadn't seen a map, but I didn't know what anything looked like because I wondered whether it was, I don't know, like Sri Lankan or something. I wasn't thinking of India. And anyway, we go around there, we open up the world map, and this, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. What I had drawn, borders and everything, and down... Where he lived, which was a place called Tiruvannamalai, that's where I put the mark. I think she still got that that map, and I just couldn't believe. It. I thought, how do you get this stuff? And anyway, the drawing, and she said, "Oh, my husband knew an American guy who he used to play basketball with, and this guy gave him a picture of this 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 Ramanar guy." I said, "Did you ever mention this in school?" She said, "No, you weren't." We wouldn't have been mentioning Indian history at Bensdale High School in 1972, I can tell you. No, she said, definitely not. She said, I know that I've never mentioned that to you. Um, that's that's just out of the question. She said, but Bill had this photo, she, this picture. She said, I've still got it. When she brought it out 
and I looked at it, I nearly collapsed. I could not believe the similarities in this guy. And I've got them there, and I'll, I'll show you the two pictures, my drawing and the picture she gave me, and you, I'm happy for you to put them up. But oh, that'd this be awesome. just proves yeah. to me that there is something a lot more going on than than so and you can tell in my voice that I get once I remember these things I get right in there and that was what I was concerned about yesterday when when I said to you look and I said I haven't thought of any of this stuff for 20 years you know but when I think about it when I go back in there it all comes back it all comes back this was just one of the most impressive things that had ever happened to me that's really up in the top five it, I just I, think, could, yeah, I couldn't believe how I could have yeah. seen this guy, didn't know him from a bar of soap, and this and he lived from nineteen, uh, I think it was uh, seventeen uh, eighty to nineteen fifty, seventeen seventy nine. I think he was born. He died in nineteen fifty, and this vision, he was still, you know, quite a healthy guy. I would presume. I just had no idea. So these are the sort of things that were happening to me, and here I was. I was thirty eight years old. People didn't understand what, you know, I couldn't tell people what I was going through. But now, to me, I'm, I am, I'm just, you can feel the energy. I'm just one of the luckiest people on the planet. I really, really am. I just think it's a proof that we can uh, tap into the pure source if we want to. Or like when we read, we can just connect it. Because I, I do believe that we use... We, we don't use um, even the percentage of our intelligence and, and our intuition that we should. But that is quite amazing, Rob, uh, in terms of tapping into pure source and, and just using whatever like tools that we ha- have that we, we don't really know about because, um, oh, I, I, yeah, awesome well, stories. Well, as far as psychics concerned, I've always been one of these people, Yanni, that, I just get stuff. I've, I've never been one to really try. I've never tried to hone it or control it or direct it. I just get stuff. And, you know, I can remember it's a bit ironic. When I was a kid, I, my father used to call me a know-all, you know, or give me get a backhand and be shut up, you, you think you know everything. But I would just be spontaneous and say what I, what I got. I used to also get in trouble for, and I love my parents, don't worry about that, I love them both dearly. But, you know, back in the old way we were brought up and shut up until you're spoken to and you know you're a know-all and I used to be spontaneous and I'd sort of I'd see things that I probably wasn't supposed to see like I'd in situations where adults would be talking and I'd I'd know what was going to happen I'd know what was really was right and if I was silly enough to mention it you've probably been through this yourself if I was silly enough to open my trap then I'd boom get a thumb you know shut up get out in the car (laughs) Oh, that's uh, uh, that's uh, that's been and, happening in my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you don't mind, I remember. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The, do you want to hear about my first experience yes. ever? Yes, yeah. please. After that girl in that. No, said, this was yeah. when I was a little boy. Oh, okay. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. When I was a little boy, I don't know how old I was, but I was very young. And I was probably younger than what I thought I was. You know, maybe I thought I was like six or seven or eight or something. It was probably even earlier. But I had this dream, very, very vivid dream. And since I've met you, the sensations of that dream have been more clear and more enhanced and I've seen more. I mentioned that to you yesterday. Um, I 
had my first plane ride when I was 16 or 17. So I wasn't, I think, yeah, I think that's, yeah, we were on a, a Fokker friendship on going down to Tassie for a trip um, when I was in the police cadets. So I had not been in a plane. I had been on motorboats and things like that, but this isn't like any of them. It was like the sensation, and I really got that when I was connected with you. When I was a little boy, I remember being in this room, looking out this window, down over the town, seeing the street lights, and it was cool. the The light was very even, and the and the 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 window seemed to be very very thick, and and slightly curved. And there was a, a sill, and I looked down to my right, and here's this little man, and he's looking up at me, grinning, grinning at me, and he's got his hands on the sill, and I probably had my hands on the sill, and we're looking, looking down. I can, I can hear. Well, I said that's a Freudian slip. I, I, I can actually hear it. I can, I can hear a slight, deep hum, and also. The sensation of of moving it was like we're on a totally still lake, but it was even different from that because it's kind of like we're going along, but it feels like imagine you're going you're just floating along in a in a boat, a little small boat, without the water underneath you. That's how it felt without the water. So it was extremely perfect in just going along. And we're going along very slowly. Now, I had that dream from a little boy, and I, I look back now and I go, why did it not occur to me to tell anyone about the dream? Why did it not occur to me that as a four, five, six, seven-year-old boy, I was bigger than an adult? You get it? I mean, I'm, what, what? And I had this dream over and over and over into my 20s. Well, uh, did he have like any certain skin colour or was, anything? Sorry, oh. uh, I just remember his head was like mine. Didn't have any hair. He had teeth. Um, I did try to draw it a year or two ago, or a couple of years ago, when I was telling Misha and the group about it. I said, "Look, I'll try and draw this," you know. But every time I try to draw it, I can't. It's almost like it becomes diffuse, and I can't. I can't focus on him. That's really weird, but we we had a um, in our local newspaper here. We have the in Melbourne. We have the Herald Sun, which is for the ordinary people to read, and we have the Age, which is for the educated to read and the business people to read. In the Age, there was a, a guy called Michael Lunig, L E U N I G. It the characters in this little guy, in a way, just just in a vague way, reminds me of the Looney characters. Do you remember Michael Looney? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. yeah. You remember his characters? They have yes. the big, big nose and that, yeah. A little bit like that, a little bit like that. I'm not saying that's how how he actually was, but that and the caricature and the, the nature and the, the bright sort of this little guy was, was he was just a happy little guy, you know. Oh, that's that, the first, that I don't so... know how old I was. I don't know how old I was. I was made, and and I also remember one night, I um, I woke up with a really, 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 really sore earlobe, 
really, really painful, so painful that I uncharacteristically and without permission knocked on my parents' bedroom door and I said, Dad, I've got a really sore ear. And uncharacteristic for Dad, he said, come in, crawl in with me for, for half an hour. And, and, they, and then after, he said, oh, you probably just got sore skin. I think it's something that's like a beetle bit me or something. A beetle might have bitten you or something like that. But in in a regression that I had one time, I recalled small beings being in my room, and I and they put a you know the plastic you know you know the paper straws that have got the the green the red and the blue stripes swirling down them the the the, the paper ones. It was kind of like, and I said, "What? They were little guys." And to me, that kind of reminded me of Elma Fudd. And they asked me how I was Who's going that? at school. Elma what? Elma Fudd in the Bugs Bunny show. Oh, the okay. Little bald guy with the big oh, nose. Okay. Elma Fudd. Elmer Fudd. His name was. They kind and they had and they had they had red sweaters on, and they were and there was two of them, and they're asking me how I went at, was going at school, and then the next thing I'm in the bottom bunk, and they've got this thing in my ear and I said what are you doing he said we're just checking to see how you're going now I never correlated that with that incident the incident with with the sore ear and going down to my parents room which was the only time in my whole life I ever did that um I wonder whether those two match up because yeah I, I always remembered having the really painful ear do, yeah. do you did you ever ask uh, why they were doing it yeah, there was. It was. I could actually see stuff. Stuff. It was. It was. It was a genetic thing. It was. It was genetic. It was like I saw it as a as a, as a very thin uh, straw, but it was could have been a needle or something like that. But they they had it around here somewhere, and they said we're checking. We're checking to see how you're going. We're just checking to see how you're going. It was kind of words to that effect. We just, check. but it seemed to me I could see stuff going up, up, or up or down, or both. The this this shaft, this pencil, this very thin pencil. I can see that in my mind's eye. I can see it. You know, in the regression, I could see it. I could see them, and it wasn't they. Up until up until probably eighteen months ago or a year ago, I never. I always sort of had this great wonder of my experiences and wondering, well, what does this all mean and, you know, who am I and where do I fit into it all and why is this happening to me and, and not other people? I always sort of saw it as a very positive thing and it probably is, you know. I certainly hope that I'm on the right side. Um, but with everything that's that's occurred in the last year or so and um, I don't want to put a damper on this, well, I'm not putting a damper on it, but I think I think and, and I've become... A little bit interested in the broader, uh, balanced, you know, perspective of of it all because I think, well, if you've got people that are going on James's show and the Super Soldier talk and they're they're telling of their experiences that they remember, I'm thinking that if I'm this star seed person who's come to the world, come to the planet to help people, and if I'm aware of the greater reality, surely I've got to be aware of those things. So I'm kind of having a look into. I don't. I don't personally have any recollection. I don't. You've told me that you remember me and you see me. I don't. I've had two or three people mention Ashtar, Commander, 
craft, not me being Ashtar, but just saying those words in the circles of this, you know, I've seen you on a craft, I see you on a craft. There was a lady in the group the other day. Uh, she messaged me last night and said that she saw me and her on a craft too. Young lady, the, the blonde young lady. I'll, I'll be oh, talking. yeah, awesome. Yeah. Oh. She said, I saw, I saw, I had a dream the next night and I saw myself on a craft and you were there too. So I hope well, you're the commander, you know. <laughs> these, these are well, you know. If or this is the thing, I'm not doubting anything, but I'm not. I'm not. Um, people are seeing things. Others are seeing, like you're seeing things. I, I don't. I can't see them yet. And I. And this brings me to the point that I often wondered why do other people see things more clearly than I do? Why, why have I not been privy to who I really am and what I'm? really doing in one regression i did see myself being emanating from a a planet a a light planet or a collective consciousness a sphere of light and i uh developed you know came into a sort of a human form came to the planet i was asked what i was what i was doing what i was coming here for and i said words the fact that when i said i i meant we because it probably coming from a collective consciousness was we're here to save the world. We're here to save humanity. And I know that's a huge, huge generic thing to say, but that's that's what I was that's what I was told. And it, then to bring me forward, we succeeded. We we and and those things do actually generally fall in line with the information that I've been given. Particularly when Ramana introduced me to the holy man, and he said, "Look, you're one of us. You're part of you're part of the solution." And when it's early days, we're teaching you. And I'm not the only person that that's been said to. Cannot possibly be. In however way they get your attention and wake you up, and and when you finally start listening, and and you say, okay, I know you're there. What what do you want me to know? They will tell you. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. And I think we always look for for the meaning of uh, why we're here in one way or the other. But I, I guess it's uh, it's a part of life as well, the part of the, the mystery. But also you said, um, you also mentioned, I just wanted to, you, if you could share another experience, uh, maybe, you know, also I have you on the show at the later stage as well, want, um, tell more story because you have so many. Um, Isn't it amazing, you know, like I said to you yesterday, God, I, might have, I haven't thought of this stuff for years, you know, I'll get on there and I won't know what to say, but, you know, wind me up in a way, I'll go. Yeah, but it's good. Once I, I get I in like... there, boom. Once yeah. I get in there, boom. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, so I was thinking about if you could tell me about the, uh, when you were up in the um, in the craft, um, you're up in the craft, you have a drawing where you're up in a craft, I think when you're younger or something like that, and also there was something about the white beings as well. About the white beings? Or the... <clears throat> yeah, the white beings. I think I just have a note here. But, uh, yeah, if you could just start oh, with... Oh, yeah. whoa, 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 mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. If you want are you to. Talking about, yeah. Are you talking about when I saw the tall mantis being? No? Yes, I think so. But if you could just uh, like tell us a little bit when you were up in the craft, because you had a drawing when you're standing up there, uh, or like there's a like a ET up there in the craft. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm if you could, next to him. Yeah, if you could okay. share that, please. Okay, okay, all right. I moved away from my hometown in 2005 and came down here. Right, so 
I've moved like 100 miles towards Melbourne. And I kind of I moved into a place where in Mel in in my hometown of Bansdale, I used to, I lived on the edge of town. It was like paddocks and you know open land, and I would and I had a big backyard, and I used to sit out the back and look at the sky and blah blah blah. When I came down here, I kind of stopped doing that to a degree because there wasn't oh, I didn't actually really stop, but there was more cover. I was in an area where it was more boxed in, and there was trees, and I really couldn't see. Um. So from 2005, and then in 2008, my younger brother told me of a friend of his who had told him a story about when he was doing some bushwork out about 25 miles um, west of here. And he said, you want to talk to this guy? You know, it was a pretty big experience. So he gave me this chap's number and I called him and we had a good talk. And that kind of really triggered me off because I'd always, I'd had my experiences and my sightings and my psychic stuff and all that sort of stuff, most of which, which I'd kept to myself. But my brother Murray, he he knew about most of it. And he introduced me to the guy, his name, his nickname is Mick. And Mick was great, uh, was gracious enough to tell me his story. And once he told me his story, it really triggered me off because I thought, God almighty, because what had happened was that he had, and this is his story, but basically the elements of it was he was working in the bush and he came face to face with a, a small grey ET, a white, pastely looking ET with big eyes, right? And uh, this is, are we still connected? Yep. Yeah. And that really triggered me off. And he mentioned a lady who in Australia who does regression work and and I felt very very compelled to suddenly I felt like I'd missed the train and I should have been sharing my stuff more and I thought god I've really missed the boat here I'm in you know you know that that kind of thing oh wow what that wow moment but I also got very very agitated and from that moment forward a lot of things happened I remember now <clears throat> just now that I'm talking about it a lot of stuff happened I got a lot of um Things, things happening around us, Emily and me. But I'll, I'll stick to the story. So eventually from uh, November 2008 to April 2009, I had intermittent dialogue with this regressionist and I eventually went and saw her and had a regression. And it was during this regression that I suddenly found myself standing in a craft, in a craft, a huge craft, and I could see this tall figure down in the body of the craft surrounded by smaller beings. And I'm describing this to the regressionist, and I'm going, and then all of a sudden, oh, and I look to my left, and here's this big, big being, but it was very dim in there. I could see the stars outside. I could see the, the, the edge of the, lot, the the windows and everything like that. And I'm standing next to this 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 being, and I was just in awe because he's standing there, like shoulder to shoulder. He was slightly high, higher than me, but he's and I've never seen. I mean, I was very new to all this, and like I, I actually went over, over there to have a regression to see if I could see some of the sightings that I'd seen a bit closer and a bit more clearly. You know, that that's why I thought I was going to maybe see a, a, a beam ship a bit closer or something like that. However, what actually happened was I got a lot of information that I'm so pleased that I got 
And anyway, this 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 being I felt was a uh, felt was a male was standing next to me, and his eyes were black and so big I could see the eye on the other side of his head. That was that was how big the eyes were, and he just stood there, and it was kind of like to me it was, well, I'm just letting you know I'm here, and it's okay, you know, to get familiar with the frequency, the energy. Yeah, so that was that was that one. Um, what color? Uh, what, what? He he had a, he was like a sandy sandy yep. sandy kind of a sandy beigey sort of a, a color, but the eyes were big. You know those little red things yep. that people put in the front of their cars, the little you know when it's nose week or whatever it is, they look, that's, that's how big they were. They were bloody huge. You know, I didn't know what it was, so I, I tried to draw what I felt and saw. So I kind of, drew, without being able to see the body of this being, I and I kind of drew it in a caricaturistic sort of way. Um, but I've come to see so much more in the last 11, 12 years that I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable with the fact that this was some kind of a, a mantis being or an amphibian, some kind of a, a, a froggy sort of a thing or a mantis being. That because it was very dim, it was very dim in there. Yeah, um, and then later in the regression, I was asked, like you were, I was asked to look at myself. So I looked down and I said, these aren't my feet, you know. They're longer and they're longer and they're sort of greyish. And, and the re regressionist said, look up, look up your body. So I followed up and I sort of had sort of grey, slim, uh, clammy, clammy sort of moist sort of skin. I'm looking up my body. And then when I and they're saying, now look at your torso, look at your and when I got to my chest, oh, my God, I saw this, the most beautiful blue. It was emanating, radiating out of my chest. I could not believe what I was seeing. It was just the most beautiful blue. It was emanating out of my chest, you know. And um, I saw my, my body and it was like a, a, almost sort of skeletal, athletic. I could see the shoulders. I could see the ribs. You know, I could see the ribs, and then the regressionist said, "Look, look at your head." And what I saw was, um, it was dark grey, very dark grey, almost like a like leather, like um, it's hard to say, like a polster. You know, it was um, and black eyes. And I've I've since tried to draw it a few times. Um, I remember what I'm seeing, but I, I do have a little bit of trouble drawing it, but. That blue glow, I couldn't believe it. It was just unbelievable. So obviously it was one of my non-human forms. That is so cool. How did you feel? Like where were you standing? Were you in a ship or like or where were you? Uh, I was standing face-to-face -face with myself and it mm. was kind of darkish and structured. I would presume it was a, on a craft of some kind. And the being was, you know, there's a... They, they, well, I'm, I'm back in there now, and I'm, I'm, even though the being, the face was rather expressionless, I think that I was pleased to see myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, he for was sure. pleased to see me, and I was pleased to see Aww. him. 
Yeah, it was it was it was good. It was really really good. And that blue glow, I tell you, I'd never seen anything like that before. So we don't make these things up, you know. And a lot of people think that the greys are emotionless. I saw them crying. I saw them loving me. I was I was in tears at one stage. You know, the one of them had a teardrop in in its eye, and they had this kind of silvery, glowy sort of look about them. I don't know whether they were greys, but they were beings. They There's were so many different ones, though, and that's what I come to learn. Like, I, yeah. you know, when you just get out of the paradigm and the way how you've seen stuff in the past like that you see in the comics and all that, it's totally different. There's so many different ones. Which, which brings me to my, yes, and ge- grey is a very generic general word. Mm. It can mean 150 different species, but you still say grey. One thing I did find, and this is really, really true, um, because I was not used to this sort of stuff, I wasn't used to this information, but I knew I wasn't making it up and I was seeing stuff that I could never have imagined as a human being. I just would never have imagined it. And it wasn't like stuff that I'd, I'd seen in shows or anything like that. But one thing I will say is when I tried to draw my drawings because there was a nice chap from over in England back in 2009 who came at me like a ton of bricks and said, oh, I want to tell you a story, but he filtered it through his mind and when I read what he wrote, I said, mate, I said, this is this is not, this is, he said, well, that's what you said. I said, yeah, but that's your interpretation of it. So we had a bit of consternation and it went to nothing. But the, but I'm always been grateful to him because he asked me a lot of, a lot of really, really relevant questions so I've got mixed feelings about that. But um, one thing I did find was early on, because I wasn't used to um, trying to draw my stuff, and I have drawn a fair bit over the years, and I must sort of go back into it because I, I have to confess that I get sort of pain in me. I don't know whether it's um, some some kind of anitis in my forearms and wrists and hands. It's not it's not carpal tunnel. It's something like tennis tendonitis or whatever. doesn't bother me when I'm training and stuff, but if I want to sit at the computer and type or I want to sit with a borrow and, and write, it, it, yeah, it just it gets a bit painful. But I may heal from that. I hope I do. It's just inconvenient. It's, not, it's nothing terrible, but it's, it's inconvenient. So I probably haven't written down as much as what I would have in the past. Plus, the other thing, too, is you go along, go along, go along, and a lot of it, it becomes something, it becomes part of your life. So you don't write every little thing that, that happens. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, I found that because I wasn't used to seeing these things, some of them I tried to draw them, and I couldn't draw them. I couldn't draw them properly because I was it was go- going through my old filters. So if I was to try and draw something now that I saw in my regression in 2009, I think I'd probably be able to draw it better than what I could back then because I was I was trying to conceptualise what I was seeing. I couldn't. It's a bit like when I saw Ramana and I <clears throat> I got all these words and I was writing them down. When I first wrote them down, I didn't write them as I saw them, but when I later wrote them as I saw them because I was trying to understand them, when I actually wrote them down as I saw them, for example, Charya, which was C-H-A-R-Y-A, I actually tried to write because I was trying to understand what I was what I'd seen. When I actually write it in the form that I saw it, and I look it up, it actually means something in Indian. In Indian, it's a word; it, they're real words. So we tend to we tend to see things through our filters. And as time goes by, once you become 
more accepting and more comfortable with what you're experiencing, I think those old filters sort of move out of the way and you can actually see what you saw. Mm, that's why I think, yeah, like especially when I've done stuff as well, when I started my process again and, and like we do my channeling and stuff like that, I, I did and I, uh, I, you know, I heard and I saw symbols of things that I, I didn't even know what it was. Like, for example, like uh, I was uh, writing uh, Merkiba or I didn't even know what it was. And then someone is like, oh, but that's a Merkiba. I'm Merkaba, like, oh, okay, yeah. Merkaba. And yeah. my kind of star being say, no, it's Makiba. You know, yes. like, and, and we, we interpretate like different things and all that. But at least I knew that in the earth language, it was Merkaba. And, and I started yeah. to research, and it was a very big validation for me. Like, here I am, kind of channeling something. I've from, heard the word Merkaba. What does it yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, it's um, oh, Merkaba. It's like you can get all those crystals as well. It's like a, as a triangle-shaped uh, thing. And also a lot of ships are kind of a Merkaba. You kind of have a protection thing around you as well. They they call it Merkaba ships. Uh, yeah. A lot of light beings use that. It's like uh, they use, yeah. Yeah, anyway, like <laughs> I have to, uh, I, I can put it in the show notes and, and to explain a little bit more Um yeah, you see, like, you know, here we are, like, you know, and then and then you talk to people that are so in tune and everything. And like, I have to ask people, I have to research all the time. But I think that is the fun part as well. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I know that, but I know for one thing that I go through my heart and I'm connected. And I think that is, and with you as well, like, you know, and I'm not doing this for for being famous or anything. I'm doing this to to find a, my sole purpose and to find find something, to be curious and learn new stuff. It's amazing. I think it's like this is the best school ever, isn't it? <laughs> well, deep into being, you know there's more. And you're, yeah, yeah. you're open and courageous enough to to open up to it and search it. And I think that's great. And that's what I think Which also rem- with audio, audio. Uh, that's why I've chosen to have audio for my podcast only and not go on YouTube and have faces. I might do that at a later stage, but I think through audio, like you can't lie. Like when we talk and tell stories, you can't really lie. And of course, if you show something on video as well, like you can see through a person, but like people sharing stories, that's I think that's the purest form and, you know, having conversations. And we've done that for thousands and thousands of thousands of years. And yep. it's, yeah, it's a part of the culture. But I, I, I was going to wrap it up a little bit because I know you have so many stories, but um, I would love to have you on the show later on. And there's so many more things I'm going to go through. You sent me a lot of stuff, but I wanted to, um, I want, I wanted to ask you a couple of things like wrapping up and and of course for everyone I'm going to put a lot of links in the show notes on first on the the website in the blog uh, that's connected to this and also on iTunes and all those uh, podcast apps as well you can go in there and just click on links there but I want to ask you how do you ground yourself because protection and grounding is a lot that a lot of uh, for us uh, doing this is so important that's something my story when I was 18 I, I totally crashed because I just let everything in and that's another story I talk a little bit that about the, the first episode about me but um, 
because once you start, you just get this flow of things and you, you can get very much unbalanced. Yeah. So what do you do to protect yourself from outer energies and also to balance yourself in everyday life? Well, there's two prayers that I use. Uh, one, and um, <clears throat> I'm not a religious person, but I certainly believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Archangel Michael and um, absolutely, totally. And uh, one of them is, you know, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I go, I do that one. And also do our father, you know. Um, for example, to keep clear and keep grounded and keep energies away. I mean, I did do a, about 12 months of a mediumship course about three years ago, and so I've used, I've gotten used to guarding the left shoulder, doorkeeper to the right, let's see who you are, right. And and I just sort of asked for clearing, take away, bring in, healed, <clears throat> you know, and all that sort of thing. But I'll give you one little example. When I go out to my shed and I train, I often found that uh, my mind would wander and I'd get concerned thoughts about can I concentrate. When you're lifting weights or when you're training, you want to make sure that you, you're grounded and you're centred and your your mind's clear and you're in the, in the zone. And I developed uh, a little a little method that I use. I go out there and I clear. I, I tend to forget to do it in the proper order and I actually have to ask these two beings to leave the room and then call them back in. <clears throat> but what I do is I'll say, guardian to my left shoulder, Iono, doorkeeper to my right, Ramana, and then I'll go through the process of, of asking every, every energy in this room to take human form and to leave. I command you to leave through that door, under that door, Right. I clear the room, clear the room, clear the room. When the, my mind's eye, so right, is the room clear? Yes. And then I oh, say, so right, okay. And then I'll call in. There's two uh, sports entities that I've known in my life, uh, one personally and one from history, uh, and I ask those two gentlemen to come in and one to uh, help me. Oh, they're both of them to help me. One of them was Paul Anderson, the weightlifter, from America in the 50s, and the other one is Uncle Lionel Rose, whom I knew, really great guy, Australian boxer, Aboriginal man, beautiful man, bit of rascal, but he's a really great bloke. And um, I asked them to come in and I talk to them when I'm training. I say, righto, Paul, can you spot me with this? Righto, Lionel, can you just watch that I'm punching right and all that sort of stuff, and I feel... I feel centred, grounded and protected, you know. So that's one little method I use. When I'm when I'm out there um, just going about my business, I'm always asking Archangel Michael to protect me, particularly when I go to the beach down here. Um, I say, well, you can't see sharks coming at you and I hope I never get bitten, but I, I, I say, Archangel Michael, please protect me. Archangel Michael, please, please protect me. And before we finish, I just want to say, say this. I think... Maybe some people, I've been, this is just what I've picked up along the way. Some people think that we cannot hear God or God won't speak to us personally. I don't agree with that because I've had that, I've had the experience. I've had the experience of God speaking to me directly. And that happened on the 22nd of May 2004, I think it was. 
and it just happened totally unsuspectingly. And that's right at the top of my experiences. And I want to say to your audience that when God speaks to you, you will know. And it it is it is possible. You're not going to blow up. You're not going to blow to pieces and you can't handle the energy. God can do anything because God's done everything. And if God wants to talk to you, he will talk to you. He, she, her, it will talk to you. And I've had one of those experiences. So that that is what sustains me because I have absolute faith in creation and absolute faith in good. And when it comes down to this big uh, fight that we have with the dark and the light, the light is going to win. The light is winning, you know. You know, the dark one may think that he's running the world, but he's a coward and a bully and he's going to lose. That's all I want to say about that. And if you want to put it in your show, please do. If you want me to tell you the story one day, I will tell you. Uh, but I really consider myself one of the luckiest people on the planet. And, um, you know, if we wanted to be famous, if I wanted to be famous, I probably would have been dead 10 years ago. But it's not that. It's just that I'm, I'm, I've, I've just... They always said to me, when the time comes, you'll be called. And I see this as part of that calling. You know, when you asked me to come on your show, I said, thank you, I'm honoured. Yeah, and I'm very honoured that, um, yeah, you, you want to be on as well. Uh, before we end, though, like it's, uh, there was some wise words there. Uh, and uh, gone through a little bit. Uh, yeah, so the last one is... Uh, do you have any recommendation if people are looking for help in terms of regression, uh, trying to find themselves a little bit? Do you have anyone or uh, that ha- has helped you? Any books or videos or or coaches or I know you mentioned Misha before. If people are um, having experiences and they want to. Um hear or share their experiences or gain some kind of an insight into them and and hear experiences from other people, I would highly recommend them go on and uh, find Misha Johnston um, in Las Vegas. She has the Star Awakening. um, Dot org, I think it is. Yeah, I'll put it in. Yeah, I'll put the link. Star Seed Awakening. Star Seed, yeah. Star Seed Awakening. And... um, yeah, she's Misha has probably been my rock for the last ten years. You know, she's such a loving, caring, wise, intelligent human being, and um, she's had these experiences too, and many others. And, um, and yeah, so she's very, very detached uh, from ego, <laughs> and that's what I like with her. It's yep. like so just here to serve, and and I really dig that. It's. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, no. My last little story should throw you a bit. Yeah. What's, what's that? Which one? My last little story about God. Did that throw you a bit? No, not at all. I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it's amazing because we have to talk about that because uh, they're like about the creation and the light and, and uh, because it's uh, it's very important. I think and that's where I, I I'm the same. I'm I'm not uh, very religious or anything like that, but I always find strength in God or higher power or whatever you call it, and, and that is uh, very important. And uh, that's where we can find the balance as well as connect with nature as well. And, so, and I think that's that's one of the awkward things about that. I mean, 
if people mention the word God, they think, oh, oh, so many of my friends here, as soon as I mention God or Jesus, they think I'm religious. Mm. That couldn't be further from the truth. I am not religious. I do not know. Oh, same. same same, here. Oh, my God, this is, oh, I can't wait to share this. Uh, or as we speak now, I will share this. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. So um, I'm going to wrap it up now. And uh, all the notes and all the, um, uh, the links will be uh, on the show notes on the podcast and also on yep. the blog on my web website um ascensiontalk.com so thank and you can so I just much say, can i just finish yeah. off with thanks very much for having me on oh, your show Yeti. you're welcome uh, and i would like to also say that at the ripe old age of 60 i want to make a heartfelt apology to any person on this planet that i've hurt in the past and i want to tell everyone else who's hurt me that i forgive you Sincerely, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Ascension Talk. If you would like to, you can head over to my website, uh, ascensiontalk.com, www.ascensiontalk.com, where I have a little bit more about my journey, the podcast and the show notes there as well, and the links to th- that we talked about today, and also a little bit about um, the drawings that we mentioned also and yeah and if you would like to support me please do so but leave uh, leaving a review on the podcast app i would love that it would be so nice until next time please take care of yourself ground yourself and see you soon bye